Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the Netflix series Marvel's Defenders. This will spoil Defenders, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, maybe some of the Marvel movies, some of the comics, anything that's kind of sort of relevant. Yeah. This was an eight-episode series. Yes. Episodes ranged from 45 minutes to 55, I think might have been the longest. That sounds about right. Uh, 58, maybe under 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. So less than eight hours. And, you know, they've been kind of sort of building to this the whole time. Yes. But I felt, particularly at the beginning of this series, that I think it was after we'd watched two episodes, I commented that this is how I think the show would have been if the Netflix stuff had been one series written by the guys who originally wrote Heroes. Yes. Because we'd have, okay, here's a little bit with Luke Cage. Oh, here's a little bit with Matt Murdock. Oh, here's a little with Danny Rand and and then Jessica Jones and then cut back and go over. And, you know, you had these very independent storylines that really for a few episodes stayed fairly independent. I actually really liked it when uh, Luke and Danny Rand had met had had the before the team can assemble they must fight mm-hmm. obligatory fight and luke came home and was going to put ice on his jaw and claire's going with the what happened wait a sec i gotta make a phone call well it's like you got punched you got punched yes yeah, this guy with like this glowing fist glows how and he starts to explain she's picking up the phone dialing danny yes yes it's like there's somebody you gotta meet but yeah, we had Iron Fist fight Luke Cage. We had, at another point, Daredevil in Iron Fist fight. We had Elektra fight pretty much everybody. Iron Fist fight pretty much everybody. I mean, they they had the obligatory inner team fight scenes for various reasons. Yeah. Some of which made more sense than others. Yeah. And it's one of those that it almost felt for a while like they had an extra two-hour TV movie sort of a thing to do for each character that... They could make intertwine, so they did. For a while, I was really convinced this whole series would have worked better for me if they had just done it as a night nurse series that happened to be her helping the Defenders come together. Well, and I think if they had done that, they could have reasserted where all the characters were a little bit better, how she knew all of the characters a little bit better, and... It would have almost been funny if she had been the one to uncover the big thing. And it took a little coaxing to get all of them. And then once Luke gets out of prison, she's like, okay, you know, you believe me, right? And he's like, well, I don't know. But that would be enough to yeah, to gather the team, if you will. Because, I mean, as it was, there was a little bit of coincidence of Luke's chasing this down that puts him, you know, on the trail of, of what becomes the big bad. It's dealing with the hands. Of course, Iron Fist is kind of already on that path. Uh, The way Matt Murdock gets pulled in is almost secondary through Jessica Jones and Foggy and stuff. Well, and it goes back to his seasons. 
everything touched on past stuff, so it wasn't out of the blue for the characters. When, but it was very coincidental. Well, Foggy feeling like he was not responsible for Matt Murdock going off and getting himself caught up in these things when Foggy was the one who gave Matt the Jessica Jones case. Mm-hmm. Foggy was well used, if sparingly used. Yes. And the actor does a terrific job. Yeah. Um, there were just several points where the logic of the writing defied my understanding. I would agree with that. There are a couple where it's, this is where the story's going, so let's make the characters go along with it. And there are a few things that didn't have the payoff that I felt they should. When Misty Knight's boss, because uh, she's doing a task force now, is telling her that this is a make or break of your career. You will either get, you know, uh, accolades for this or kind of thrown off the force almost. Not quite that black and white, but it, yeah. it will have ramifications. And at the end, while there are physical ramifications for her because she loses an arm, much like the character has in the comics, um, there's no job ramifications that he was alluding to. So there was something that was set up that didn't pay off there. And the bit with the losing of the arm, you know, while it, it harkens back to the, the comics, it was completely kind of out of the blue. Um, well, she stepped in with no weapon to try and save Claire's life. She did save Claire's life, but nobody seemed to take into account she was probably in such shock. She doesn't necessarily know she saved Claire's life. I just think that it took a little bit of shenanigans to get the Misty Knight character there at that point. Oh, yeah. To, to be in that jeopardy and whatnot. And at the end, it sets up a Misty Knight Colleen uh, storyline. Yeah. Which, again, is a major one from the comics. They were the Daughters of the Dragon. They were a P.I. thing. They were kind of the opposite number to a degree of, of uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Well, there were several places where I felt they teased out something. Mm -hmm. Like Trish Talks doing an, a radio show about the earthquake. The geologist calls in saying this isn't an earthquake. That gets cut off the air by the people upstairs. And then we're not really pursuing, well, what was it if it wasn't an earthquake? I think the next time we saw Trish was when she's having lunch. Yeah. Trying to pitch doing a bit more investigative journalism and Jessica pulls her out of there. Um, but then we put her in protective custody at the police station in the same room with an investigative journalist. And she's not trying to get to know her. Well, and she comments, it's it's a, she's a known journalist. But it's like two episodes later where the two even start talking. Yeah. So there were some pacing things that I think they could have maybe played out a little bit better. Electra's backstory. That's a definite pacing of good information delivered at a time I didn't want it. Yeah, I think there was a lot of aspects of this series that while the, the elements were good, the order they were out in um, didn't play that well. I mean, we had just gotten Jessica and Matt Murdock meeting for the first time, and we have no idea why they're meeting. We just got that teased at the end of an episode, and then we start an episode with 15 minutes of Electra's backstory with no acknowledgement that Jessica and Matt are finally meeting. Well, and they didn't even start the series by reminding us Electra is indeed dead. Correct. Because since that Daredevil season... And that may have been halfway through the season she died, because then we had the Punisher stuff. I forget. Good point. 
but we've definitely had the Luke Cage in Iron Fist shows. Yeah. So there were a couple of things where I thought they could have done a much better job reasserting things. I almost would have started this series with clips from the other four to where maybe you've watched one but not all of them. Here's a rapid fire uh, on ramp. Or at least have maybe a few days before this series dropped an optional movie. Like a zero episode. Yeah. Well, and again, you've got the Night Nurse character, Claire, that could have just simply been, I don't want to say writing in her journal, but something. You know, they referenced all the letters to Luke and all the things she didn't write. Mm -hmm. And if that zero episode had actually been her going through getting ready for Luke, getting out of jail, and trying to figure out what to do with the letters she wrote but didn't send because she knew this is what I shouldn't put on his shoulders while he's in jail. Well, if there was basically, yeah, here's my life was simple, then it wasn't because of everything that happened in the various shows. Yeah. And we we intercut with her writing, clearly thinking it through, having some angst, whatever. Um, and with cuts of the different shows of just here's a thumbnail of what happened for a season of Daredevil, then this, then this, then this, then this. Some of which she knew, some of which she pieced together from what was in the news or what she's heard. or Yeah. Or, geez, I don't know about this. And while she's saying, I don't know about this, we find out, oh, well, this is what did happen kind of a deal. Yeah. And then at the very end, she realizes, no, this this should not be committed to paper. It sure, certainly shouldn't go in a letter through the prison system or whatever. And, you know, tosses it in the fire. We see the whole thing burn or whatever. Yeah. Um, you could have even cut to a metaphorical, you know, New York on fire kind of a thing uh, with a tre- teaser of, you know, Dare to, uh, Defenders is coming. Yeah. So there are ways I think they could have gotten us back up to speed a little bit better. Um, some of the interplay of the characters was really good. Some of it, there was one episode that really read like a, uh, or, or came across like a Brian Michael Bendis comic book because the entire episode uh, took place in a Chinese restaurant. There were aspects to that that were quite funny. There were, but there was an aspect of it's about 45 minutes to an hour of them sitting around talking, you know, and, and killing time. The in fight this came to them. Yes. The SUV came through the window of the restaurant to them. But if you had somehow skipped that episode, uh, other than the first few minutes of them, oh, we've got to go hide out here. You know, you could have skipped the bulk of that episode, picked up the next and really not missed a whole lot. Other than how do they know each other? Why do they trust each other sort of thing? I was going to say, it was a lot of necessary exchange of information and realizing each of them had different pieces of the puzzle and finding out that, unsurprisingly, Stick had kept a lot from Matt Murdock. Yeah, but I think that sort of thing worked better when we saw, like, um, Matt Murdock and Jessica Jones doing some investigation. You know, some of those scenes, actually, the rapport they gradually built between those two was quite good. I was kind of hoping in the first episode or two, the threat would be set up. Maybe it's the hand, maybe it's not. The heroes would kind of sort of be gathered, but it's like, I don't know. And then we would have had, over the course of the middle couple of episodes, a lot of kind of pairing off to where we get pretty much every combination. Yeah. You know, this is Jessica and Luke reconnecting after the events of her series and his. This is, you know, in... While that's happening, you've got the two martial artists kind of going about something. Yeah. You know? Um, And it could be as simple as, 
they have to go to the Rand Corporation and Murdoch is the one who can help follow the legal chain or some such. Yeah. Next episode, flip up who's partnered with who. You know, you've got Iron Fist and, and Jessica Jones. You know, maybe they work well together, maybe they don't, you know. Uh, and then over the course, you've you've gotten the different permutations. They've had enough time as a group to kind of regather and say, okay, well, let's go do this and and follow the chain, do some investigation. Yeah. Versus just lucking into they all happen to wind up at the same place at the exact same time. Yeah. And have a big fight scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all following separate. It, it goes back to what you were saying with the heroes thing. They're all on their separate journey. That happens to lead to the same place at the same time. And it's the same place at the exact same time. It yeah. It just gets a bit ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. There were some scenes that I didn't know how to how read what they wanted me to get out of it. And in that respect, I kind of wish they'd just left on the cutting room floor. Such as? Stick and Electra uh, looking out over the river talking. There were a few episodes that had the some time ago. Yes. And I'm like, well, when exactly was this? Why didn't you tell us this back at some point? I mean, that well, felt like it was a scene cut from second season of Daredevil. Yeah, and it implied, potentially, but not definitively, that Stick was willing to let Electra be killed on the off chance that the Hand would resurrect her. Well, and that it would motivate Matt. And that she would now be embedded with the hand. I took it as more, this explains how she turns on the hand but at she, the end. But she doesn't truly really turn on the hand. She turns on Alexandra. Well, and takes but, over the hand. I took that as a turn on well, the hand. But she, I guess my point though is that she doesn't turn to the way of the chaste. No, absolutely not. But I thought that scene with her and Stick at something ambiguous point in the past was meant to be an explanation for her reawoken motivation i guess my point is to me it was less of her turning away from the brainwashing and more of her breaking free as an individual well no and that's what i mean it's at that point she was becoming electra again and we needed to know what electra was and this was supposed to clarify that somehow for us i don't think it was effective but to me, that scene was implying that she was sent in, quote, undercover. With Matt or with the hand? With the hand when she died. No. That I... Stick was hoping this would happen. And that that's part of why she killed Stick when she had the chance. Could she, be. I didn't take it that way. Is that she realized what Stick had done to her. That she hadn't understood. I took it as ironic of we need to get out of the path lest we die. She had already died and then she kills him. I mean, the war is coming, they were going to be sacrificed, and oh, guess what they were. Yeah. So, I guess, clearly it was meant to inform our opinions on the, the happening events in the current time, mm -hmm. but since I think we came out of it with very different opinions on that, I it, question the effectiveness. Yeah, it, it was too vague and too... I don't even know how to describe it. It just left me going, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this? There were a couple of places where I was unclear on... The motivation of, like, the members of the Hand. They keep building up, well, when the fifth member comes. And then he comes, we recognize him from the Iron Fist series, but not as the fifth leader of the Hand. I'm like, yeah, okay, so we know this guy. He's nothing special to me. And I didn't honestly think he was dead. 
So I didn't remember where we had left him. We had left him with, they thought they killed him, but his body disappeared, which to me was indicative of, so he's not really dead. Or he comes back. You know, yeah. But again, that goes back to if they had had something at the beginning to reset the scene, recap, oh yeah, now I remember, um, that would have helped. Yeah. To me, that was a, a big reveal that had very little payoff because I was expecting, wait, isn't he one of the leaders of one of the factions and he's still alive? Well, and in that respect, they had set him up as a leader of a faction of which presumably there are the five. Yeah. You know, but because we didn't know about the five fingers of the hand until here in yeah. terms of this continuity... I mean, there's an aspect of that that's definitely been in the comics. I think if we had gotten the five fingers or even been told that Gao and Bushido were fingers of the hand back in Iron Fist, that would have helped. I'm trying to remember if we had... No, we had known that they were at odds. We knew they were at odds. Because he had imprisoned her. We knew they were both parts of the hand, but fingers was not a concept that came out there. Or that they were... Three others. Yeah. Because, you know, that was why I was teasing you. There's the right hand. There's the left hand. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which you think is which hand. Yeah. So there were aspects on that that could have been clearer both here and in other shows. There were a few places where it was just a little ludicrous, particularly when uh, they've all been at the police station getting questioned. They, quote unquote, break out with Murdoch presumably being the hostage of Luke and Jessica. Yeah. And, of course, Foggy's given him the costume, so he's had some time to go put on the costume. So you've got the the typical three heroes walking forward scene. You've got a guy in a hoodie. You've got, you know, Jessica with her her scarf, her jacket, you know, and her bad attitude and stuff. And then you've got Daredevil in costume. Yeah. And, you know, she makes a reference to there it is again sort of a thing with the, uh, the Halloween suit sort of deal. Yeah. And part of it is Luke and Jessica don't really have signature superhero outfits i mean luke cage in the past did but modern day in the comics does not i'd say he kind of had an a yellow color that was sort of his iconic i am luke cage in this show absolutely and the yellow shirt is is an iconic touch i like how the inner part of the hoodie was yellow yeah so even when he wasn't wearing a yellow shirt there's still that aspect but given the visual shorthand of comic book superhero suits. Yeah. To not really um, have that in play for uh, really most of the characters, even Iron Fist. Yeah. Well, they they kept ripping his shirt so that we could see his tattoo. Not the tattoo, but he could have just as easily been, let me go put on my martial arts uniform sort of a thing. Yeah. You know, with him maybe getting a little ribbing for it, but it's a very practical outfit sort of a deal for him. Yeah. So, Daredevil being the only one in costume felt a little funny. I mean, we get Elektra with her outfit. Uh, But again, that was from the Daredevil show. Likewise, although he's not in Defenders, you know, uh, Punisher has Mm. a signature look, again, from Daredevil. Um, I mean, running through the characters, I like Luke Cage. I like how he's written here. mm -hmm. Jessica Jones is the definitive loner. So trying to put her in a team show, it's very hard for her to develop the rapport and to feel like she belongs. But I think that's why they usually cast one of those kinds of characters when assembling a team. You've got 
uh, Batman or Wolverine or Guy Gardner or a few others True. that are the I don't need the rest of you. Mm-hmm. The um the the I'm trying to think the uh, the odd man out, if you will. Yeah. Just to have some built-in friction. Yeah. She provides a uh, Captain Cold in uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the spice. Yes. Yeah. Um, the one that can just roll the eyes at everybody else and and cut to the chase during a conversation. Well, and she does learn to appreciate the strengths others mm-hmm. bring to situations, even when she'd rather be there alone. So yeah. she's an interesting character, and in that respect, I do like how they're writing her. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm not always enjoying how they're writing is Danny Rand, Iron Fist. I mean, we spent one episode where he pretty much pouted like a spoiled brat. At least one episode. I was going to say, which one are you narrowing that down to? Um, I don't think they did as well with that character, both here and in his own show. The issue with the Iron Fist series was too much of it was spent on the other family mm. than on him. There were too many very clear and obvious comparisons to the Arrow TV show that Iron Fist didn't come out ahead on. And for this to be so contingent on the hand, tying that into the backstory of Kowloon and stuff like that, or Kunlun, whatever, uh, and the Iron Fist stuff. Well, and Danny Rand has such a narrow concept of what it is to be Iron Fist. Or Or a hero, or a person, or he's the childish one of the the bunch. Yeah. And I think if they had had somebody a bit more, frankly, baby-faced and clean-shaven, that might have played better. Yeah. Because if you just look at him, it's like, this, this is this is a kid. No, I'm not sort of, you know, whining or whatever. When I finally called out to you during the fight down in the pit below the big uh, high-rise where he's fighting with Elektra... And it's, we've got the glowing wall that mm-hmm. we know oh, yeah. the fist of Iron Fist he's, is the key to. He's the key to the wall. He's already powered up, and she's basically steering him to punch through the wall and get to what they yeah, need. Yeah, and I'm calling out to you. I'm like, so if I know my fist is the key that opens the wall that I don't want opened, why am I swinging my fist towards the wall? Yeah. Why am I not smart enough as a fighter to be baiting my enemy away from the wall? Or at least turn off the chi. I mean, it just the, that was one of the situations where the writer's logic was defying me. I don't blame the writers. I blame the take on the character because I think he is stupid enough that he would have done that. Just the, like he was fighting against the other three when it was obvious that getting him into harm's way could be the absolute worst thing. Well, he's so sure that it's his battle that he must fight, that him not being an active soldier on the field means he has failed in his duty. Now, he walked away from the gate. He was supposed to stand and protect. I would have played that whole argument with, clearly, he's critical. Mm -hmm. They want him. Mm -hmm. That's obvious. But does that mean you should sideline him and that's a problem because you do need him there or should you sideline him because you need him to not be there? You know what I mean? Are they are they doing a reverse psychology sort of a thing? Or- well, if you know the enemy wants him on the field of battle, then you make him the general commanding from a distance. I guess my point is you could have just as easily put him on a jet and put him in Hong Kong or whatever. But then if you find out, oh, wait, we do need him, he's in Hong Kong and you've shot yourself in the foot. So how do you balance the two? Yeah. 
and there were ways they could have, I don't know, played that better or something. I think it would have been funny if they had actually gotten to where they had costumes and masks or whatever, to where if they had done what they've actually done in the comics a couple of times, where, like, Iron Fist will pretend to be Daredevil. Nice. Yeah. Daredevil may pretend to be Spider-Man or some such. Yeah. You know, if you had had them down in the the underground at the battle at the end, and they're like, oh, and they hadn't captured Iron Fist at that point. Yeah. Um, Or they had, and they realized they get the wrong guy or whatever, but... If it comes out that, you know, you know, they're fighting Daredevil and he cheese up, that would have been a, hey, wait a sec, sort of a moment. Yeah. Um, but that brings up the fight scenes. There were a few that were fantastic. There was a new type of cinematography I nicknamed during this that you seem to agree with. There were a few where it was just the cut, 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 you know, shake the camera, move the thing. It was a chaotic cam kind of a deal. I went with dizzy cam. Dizzy cam. Well, there was also a uh, a pan and slide. The the cinematography on this, there was a few, particularly early at the beginning, where you would be following a character as they would walk into a scene. Mm-hmm. And then the, the camera-, camera would kind of chase in front of them around, loop around, and then be back in another thing. And suddenly the, the character is inexplicably about five feet in front of where you think they should be. Yeah. And that that was sort of that, that pan and slide feel yeah. of the camera pans one direction and slides around. And when they turn back over to the side, instead of the person being directly in front of you like you expect, they're eight feet over to the right. Or they're moving into frame from a place you just don't think they should be. Well, it's like they feel they had to take everything in a single shot. Mm. It felt... Overly artsy in that respect. Mm -hmm. And there were also, and a lot of them were with Daredevil, shots where, well, let's put the camera on the ground and have it shoot straight up or at an oblique angle. Or they're in a a diner booth, so we're going to put that on the far edge of the screen so you can see everything else going on and that'll distract you. I kept thinking, well, should I be seeing like Luke Cage in the background? Is Misty Knight going to walk in? How about, you know, what's going on there? It's What about uh, when Daredevil went to confession? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It was like we were peeking through. Oh, the uh, the slit in the doorway opening kind of a deal. Yeah. They also did that at the bar with um, Foggy and Matt. And there are a few other shots where they intentionally have kind of the, the sliver you're looking through, the blurry kind of through the glass kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. And again, this isn't new to Defenders. I think no. we've talked about this on probably Daredevil. So there's cinematogra- uh, cinematography things that they're pulling forward, but each show has a different enough feel that at times it feels really out of place. And I always got a little frustrated and annoyed, granted they were short things, when they would do the clips of the city as they're cutting from one place to another. Clips of the city that don't feel relevant to the past scene you saw, the next scene you're going to see. So they're nothing that is anchoring you in locations that seem specific. It's just, just to remind you, we're in New York. It was scenes of New York, specifically like a subway or an elevated train or... Hey, we're the camera crew. We're moving and cut, cutting over to the other thing. And here's what we did to go get there almost. Mm-hmm. But what annoyed the heck out of me on that is there was a circular part that you could kind of see. And then it was blurred out on the set edges or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was. It made you question if your eyes were in focus. It was so overpronounced stylistically. Mm-hmm. It was an, it was obvious. 
Well, to me, if you're going to do something like that, I'm used to at least the final shot of it being an exterior of the police station that this new scene is inside of. An establishing shot. And because they weren't giving me those establishing shots or the subways and things like that were not the form of transportation we were using, they just felt too random. Well, they were a generalized uh, New York City montage mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. It's one thing like with Star Trek The Next Generation where you'd come back from commercial, you'd see a shot of the Enterprise, then you would go to the bridge or, mm-hmm. or the transporter or the engineering or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yes, I'm watching Star Trek as if you forgot. But you were seeing a scene on the Enterprise. It was an establishing shot. Yeah. Here, we rarely got that. And there were a few things where, again, with the follow the the, the person in the shot, walk around them, spin back around. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like we've got a handheld camera and we know how to un- use it. There was one bit where Jessica Jones is walking down the street. And she's doing this occasional look over her shoulder, see what's going on, walk a little further. Now, as it's shot, we're following her as a camera yes go a little further kind of look around like she's a little creeped out go a little further look back over her shoulder john and i both call out to the screen don't worry it's just the cameraman and then she turns goes down the block and then this goes on for far too long and then we finally as she's walked past the camera because the cameraman's getting tired he stopped (laughs) few more people come by and then we see matt murdoch doing the tick 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 with the cane yes yes and then he's doing the what's going on sort of a thing why did the cameraman stop (laughs) and walks on and then more people walk by and we see her again (laughs) it's like how did she teleport back there and now she's following him and yes there were a few things where it's like toned down the style a little bit and it works better yeah um i also was amazed how much the Harlem police station looked like the Hell's Kitchen police station. Ah, details. Uh, standardized New York uh, architecture and police. Okay, fine. I'll chalk it up to that. Mm-hmm. Going back to the fight scenes, though. Yes, yes, please. In addition to the dizzy cam and a few yes. that were just, I can't tell what's going on. There were a couple that were exceptionally well done. Yes. So they did have their moments, um, but there were a few where, and I don't blame the fight choreography so much as the overall direction and coordination. The big fight scene at the end in that underground place. At one point, it's down to Daredevil fighting Elektra. Mm-hmm. The others are going up on the elevator. As they're going up, all the henchmen are climbing up and... and attacking the attacking elevator, the which elevator. is open-sided. Open-sided. And they'd be occasionally throwing people off or whatever, because, well, you know. And we'll cut back down to Daredevil and Elektra fighting. And have no connection whatsoever to what's going on in the elevator whatsoever. I mean, if just once in a while it's like, oh, Electra, I think I can get through to you, thump, thump. comes a body. Yeah. And she's like, don't, 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 don't focus on that. Focus on my voice or, you know, whatever. Don't mm-hmm. let that distract you or just, they, they start fighting in there and they have to dodge as one comes down or something. Jessica Jones dropped the elevator. Yes. And we never heard it fall, saw it fall. I thought I saw its ruined remains in the background at one point. I didn't catch the the remains or whatever, but yeah, the, the falling of the elevator never uh, had an impact on the fight at the bottom. But for far too long, the falling of the entire building <laughs> didn't have an impact. It, I'm like, we've 
he he could from from I don't know how three hundred feet below or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, he could hear the ticking of the bomb from above. Okay, he's got super hearing. Great. I'll give Daredevil that. But the bomb goes off. We see it kind of exploding up through the tower. The tower falling. Cut to the fight scene still going on as if nothing had happened above. Mm-hmm. Even if if through some magic the explosion didn't push anything down, which seems absolutely insane. He should have at least, I don't know, heard something, like the ticking of the bomb stop. Yeah, details. So I was frustrated by that. Like I said, there were times the logic didn't work for me. Yeah. It, it's They had a good idea. They had a general concept that was good. They had good characters. They had some good interplay. But there were places that were too stylistic. There was a not resetting of the scene, mm-hmm. which I felt was also a problem with Luke Cage at the beginning yes. of, well, when does this take place? Yeah. And almost not looking at that bigger picture, and they should have had this such that if you had watched any one of the the seasons, and not all of them, there was a clear on-ramp into this within the first episode, and a clear gathering of the forces. We were a third of the way through the series before the team gathers. Yeah. Well, and I think part of why I was thinking the night nurse was a character that they could have used better, should have used better, etc., is because she is a common thread to all of them. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, she wasn't going to the dojo for self-defense classes when Luke got back to town. As far as we can tell, the dojo's been shut down for a while. You know, Colleen had no one taking it over while she was gone. Yeah. And all these things. But if they had at least during those first few episodes been using Claire to be interacting with everybody mm-hmm. on some level, that would have really helped. I think it would have tied it together and tightened it for me. Well, and it would have been particularly funny if Claire was trying to get uh, uh, Luke to come meet mm. Danny and stuff. Not by name, but oh, I got some friends. So I'm going to go work out. You know what? Oh, I don't need to work out. And oh, Misty's here. I got to go do something with her. Yeah. And it was to where when he gets hit by Iron Fist and she has to introduce, it's like, these are the people I was trying to introduce you to the other day. Kind of. Yes. You know, I have been trying to get you all together, but you're all are fighting me on this. Yeah. So there there could have been uh, some fun there. And I, I, there were a couple of characters that would stop by in this series just long enough to make an appearance and be felt, um, ho- uh, the lawyer from um, Hogarth. Hogarth, thank you. And it's funny you mention her because a lot of the Jessica Matt Murdock stuff. You know, we were saying the they're not quite gelling or not quite logical. And I'd asked you, what if everything that Hogarth did, starting in the Jessica Jones series, as an employer for Jessica, right? Matt Murdock had been the employer. I think that would have worked better in terms of their relationship. It would have been harder to explain of how did he pay her. True. But, and I thought using Foggy as kind of the intermediary there made sense. Some of it could have been told a little clearer. Yeah. The comment Foggy made in the bar about the cases he was giving to Matt, there was not one that rang in my ears as, oh, self-destructive PI. You know, that's Jessica. Well, and I don't think it was in the stack yet. It was just, I'm going to be funneling cases to you. Yeah. So when Jessica got arrested, you mm-hmm. know, and Hogarth had said, we have to be clear of this. Foggy yeah. called in Matt. Um, the other one that was in, but never really seemed to 
matter much to the plot was Malcolm from Jessica Jones. Yeah. Uh, he was fun to, to see. I like the actor. Um, he was there just enough to kind of ground her in whether or not she was working, whether or not the PI stuff was open. But it it felt disjointed from where I remember the series ending. I thought they left with him answering the phone yeah. with a lot of cases. Yeah. And apparently she's just not taking them for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. I thought that could have been handled a little better. In other words, where they left the series, her status quo, I guess I should say, felt more or less like where they'd left it before of now it's open for business. Yeah. And if you had seen Jessica Jones season one, skip to season two, Missing Defenders, you wouldn't necessarily notice anything depending where they start. But yeah. from where they leave off here at least. Yeah. Um, which makes this seem a little, I don't say extraneous because it was obviously an eventful week for her. But I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding how much time does and doesn't happen between some of these series. Yeah. I mean, did the events all of Iron Fist, is that what bridged the time? For, for Luke being in, in prison and stuff, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. It only, not all of it, only a part of it. Because uh, Colleen and Iron Fist had been on for months, going all over the world, chasing yeah. things. Because they gave a list of cities they'd been to. It's just a question of when Luke Cage ended, how much time elapsed before Iron Fist, when that takes, you know, how long did that take? And then, okay, we've got a couple of months, then we've got this. Yeah. And it's not like they've got to have this down to a timeline or whatever, but when I'm watching some of this and I'm a little confused as to, so how long has it been since Luke and Jessica saw each other? Yes. A couple of months, a couple of years? Well, Jessica hadn't known he'd been in jail. Well, they fell out of touch. I get it. On the one hand, I get it, but given everything that happened between them and the fact she's a PI. Oh, come on. It's not like he became the heroes of health. Uh, of Harlem. Harlem, yeah, I was going to say Hell's Kitchen, but Harlem. And is, is just widely renowned for that. Oh, wait, he is. Not like it was all over the newspapers, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Or everybody was wearing these bullet-torn, you know, hoodies or something. Yeah. All over city. I mean, yeah. I don't know New York geography well enough to know how big Hell's Kitchen or Harlem is or, or even which part of town necessarily would have been for Iron Fist versus Jessica Jones. But it's one city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Granted, it's, it's one of the largest ones on the planet. But it, it seems like some of the stuff in one series or another should have been felt by the others. Yeah. And this is, aside from newspaper headlines at um, the, the newspaper uh, office, no reference whatsoever, I think, to the Marvel Universe in general. Uh, Trish talks. The incident was brought up. Yes, fair enough. When things like this happen, how are we supposed to know if it's the incident and one or two lines of dialogue there? And the incident was one of the headlines or whatever Yeah. on uh, on uh, Karen's uh, office wall, which used to be Ben Urich's. Yeah. So, again, doesn't really fit into the larger picture, which is, you know, fine or whatever, but they've had time. Yeah. And I don't know how I want them to tie stuff together, but either you're building a shared universe or you're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy how Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow do crossovers. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes big, sometimes small across the shows. And for the Netflix stuff to all play nice together is awesome. But to kind of ignore everything going on elsewhere just feels odd. Again, seven, eight hours worth of content. 
one story arc that goes through, which felt kind of sort of like an extension both of Daredevil and Iron Fist, more so than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really give a solid, Are the, is this a team that'll get back together? Agreed. Mission's done. It's over. We won. Yeah. Yay. Keep in touch. Try to keep in touch. I know you won't, but try to keep in touch is certainly the message. And it also puts the status quo for Daredevil in a very different place than its series ended off. Yeah. So I think this is... Defenders is essential watching if you've been following Daredevil or Iron Fist. For Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, it's more... It feels like just another adventure for them. And not in a bad way, but not in a... If you missed this, you'd be lost at the beginning of the next series. Again, depends where they go with the next series. Could be. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, Foggy there at the end telling Luke, you know, the police isn't writing any reports up on this, so there are no consequences for you from this. It's, it officially didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's a interesting way of saying, so your series doesn't have to acknowledge these events. All it's got to acknowledge is that he got out of prison. Yeah. Nothing right or wrong about that, but it is, in my mind, worth noting. Yeah. I know they're doing another series of Jessica Jones. I believe it may have already started shooting. One guest star has been announced. Yes, very interesting one. I'm assuming for a flashback sequence or a dream sequence. Yeah. It's uh, David Tennant. Yeah. Uh, glad to see that. He's a brilliant actor. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else they're really... I haven't really been following what else they're planning on doing for the, the Netflix stuff. I'm looking forward to it. They do good stuff. Yeah, they do. Um... One interesting uh, casting note is Claire, mm-hmm. uh, that actress whose name is escaping me at the moment. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson, thank you. Uh, at least has been in the running, I don't know if she's gotten the role or not, but for a uh, Marvel mutant. Oh, interesting. I think in New Mutants playing Dr. Cecilia Reyes, maybe? I could get the name wrong. Um, if I'm thinking of the right character, it's one that has like a force field power. She does a great job here. Yeah. And a lot of times it's kind of as the voice of reality and sanity. She's the token normal person. Yeah. The one who's not a sword master, karate expert, bulletproof, super strong, or, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise uh, amazingly endowed power-wise. Well, and it's interesting because, well, technically a nurse, you know, she, she patches your boo-boos and puts you back together. But... She does that with her words also. Yeah, I particularly thought that at the end with Foggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of expecting her to almost start up a support network for her, Foggy, Karen, uh, Malcolm, Trish, uh, a few others. Yeah. If they wanted to expand this beyond the current characters they've got, uh, the ones I would consider doing would be other sort of street-level characters at Marvel. Uh, Moon Knight comes to mind. Uh, he's kind of sort of a, um, uh, like an Egyptian Batman-style mm. character, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the moon god, Khonshu or whatever, has his chosen one, and that is Moon Knight. Um, one of his aliases is a cab driver. Hmm. So you could, and he's based in New York, you know, yeah. so you could easily fit him in in a couple of interesting ways. Yeah. Um, and he's a guy who dresses up funny and beats people up, you know, so he fits in. Um, there comes a point where having, you staying at the street level and just a little above, mm-hmm. okay, bulletproof, you've got the chi, you've got the radar sense, you're the super ninja sort of a thing. 
Yeah. Once you get too far away, like, oh, they can fly, they can shoot laser blasts or whatever. Yeah. You know, you start to, to stretch credibility. Um, I really wanted at one point at the fight scene at the end for, uh, for Danny to, to just tell Luke, look around. He's looking around. Okay. I see a cavern. I see supports. Look at the supports. This is the bones of a dragon. You know, yeah. and just get that kind of. I wanted Danny to close the door. I think the door no longer ceased to be. I wanted him to see if he could chi up the dragon bones. Ooh, interesting. I don't know what would happen, but. Now, my take on where Daredevil is, is it's somewhere Catholic. Yes, I think he was potentially hauled out of the rubble and put into a convalescence thing having no memory. Ah, but I don't think that's the case because the name they mentioned of Gotel so-and-so mm-hmm. uh, ringed a bell from the comics. In the comics, um, he was in actually a very similar position, uh, rehabbing or whatever. And that was the nun who had kind of, he dealt with before whatever, in, is his mother. Hmm. Interesting. So not to say that'll be how it goes here. Yeah. But there are a lot of places where I think they're doing a good job of drawing appropriate inspiration from the comics. And and toying with it a little, changing mm-hmm. what they need to, but not, oh my god, you, you've got to be kidding me, you did what? Well, the Hand was obsessed with going home to Kunlun, and yet the gateway was to Shaolin, to the dragon. I don't think it was to that, I think it was to a dragon. I think it's just like there were dinosaurs in the past, there were dragons in the past, and they blocked off the this uh, the, the remains of this dragon. Interesting. Well, Open Iron to interpretation. Yeah, well, Iron Fist said that this was Shaolin. When Gao said, do you know where you are? He said, this is Shaolin. So now whether he meant Shaolin just in terms of a dragon or that specific one. But I had thought they were trying to open a portal back to Kunlun. I taken that too, but I, I think we were wrong on that. That's interesting. Because um, I thought that... The only reason I could see that Iron Fist would cooperate and participate was if it would reopen the gateway and get Kunlun back. Yeah, that was one of my theories at one point in the show, but once we saw the dragon bones, yeah, I took that to be literally there is a dragon fossil yeah. deep beneath this particular building. Yeah, okay. There are a few of those things where I think they could have, and that, again, if you'd had that discussion with, with you know Luke of, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Dragon bones. No, really. What am I looking at here? Yeah. Um. It could have been fun expository dialogue to have. Yeah. Cleared some stuff up and uh, and whatnot. Again, I liked what we got here, but I was frustrated by a little bit of the pacing, some of the over overly stylized stuff. Uh, I think it moved forward the overall storyline of the Netflix shows and universe, and has a couple of places they can go forward. Nothing where it's like, oh, but now they've, they've, well, one or two things, like what's going on with Matt Murdock, that they just have to address. Yeah. Um, but they're doing a good job with these shows. I would like to see them expand beyond the couple of characters they've done. I would probably limit it to a lot of the stuff that was kind of the classic Marvel Knights line of, again, the more street-level mm-hmm. kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moon Knight seems like an obvious one. Punisher they've talked about and we've already seen. Obviously, Elektra uh, has a lot of potential uh, as a character or whatever, but I think they've kind of played through what to do with her for the moment. I was going to say they eviled her. They did, but who knows where they could go from there. She's always been one of those that can be a villain or can be, again, like the Punisher of a non-traditional hero. 
I saw that prior to this series. After this, yeah, a little harder to go back. Yeah. And I think that's why I was disappointed in her in this series. I took it as this is literally a different character. It's the same body. Yeah. Now, but what was interesting was there at the end, her goal was to make Matt immortal like her so they could spend forever together. That's what was coming out in that fight. Yeah, it just, that's not Matt. No, it was a very warped and bizarre thing to be having go on. So we'll see where they go with all of this. Um, This is a series they should go back to at some point. Mm -hmm. But I hope um, if they do that they've got a very uh, tight storyline. I'd like to see the characters making cameos in one another's series to kind of keep the interwoven aspect alive. I'd like Jessica to call Matt when she has a case where somebody needs to go to a lawyer, not just call Hogarth. Well, that and kind of things thing. like Trish Talk being heard through the other shows. Yes. Tighten the stuff up, even if we're not seeing the other characters, at least have some references to them. Having people reading news articles written by Karen Page, that yeah. kind of thing. Definitely, yes. And have some stuff that can kind of start to build up behind the scenes that maybe the supporting cast notices and pulls the team back together. Yeah. Because I want something where if they do another, if they do a season two of Defenders, we don't have to wait three or four episodes to get the team back together and stuff. Yeah. We've got something that they pull together quickly and then have stuff to work through. Well, and maybe a season two of Defenders should be a night nurse season. Maybe she's noticing something and she calls them all in to make sense of it. If the next Defenders season doesn't start within the first episode of the team being gathered and here's what we think's going on. Here's the threat. Yeah. Now, maybe they don't believe it and it takes a few episodes to pull them together, but something. Yeah. Yeah. To where it's a, oh, we've been invited to dinner. Why is it at the, the... the rebuilt golden palace and nobody else is here yeah yeah or what have you yeah maybe they could go somewhere else and it could survive the meal i don't know (laughs) unlikely with them or have it be somewhere where danny had had to rent out the entire place and it's catered from elsewhere yeah so there's again some fun stuff i think they've got some good characters but i think they need to de-stylize a little bit in a few places tighten up the writing and it could just be a lot better because of that. It's good. Yeah, exactly. But it, it could be better. It's good with room for improvement. Yeah, that's about what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Anything else? We good? I think we're good. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.